This is the Balancing Act by Security Compass, your guide to going fast while staying safe in today's digital world. Hello, everybody, and welcome today to our podcast. Our guest speaker is Jack Freund. Jack, welcome. Hi, Altez. Thank you for having me. Jack, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Tell us a bit about what you do. Yeah, sure. Well, I'm currently serving as the head of cyber risk methodology for Visible Risk, which is a joint venture between uh, Moody's and Teammate. And uh, we're looking to build a credit rating to, to sit alongside, um, sorry, we're looking to build a cyber rating to sit alongside credit. And there are a lot of the risk analysts at Moody's, and that was sort of the impetus for the creation of this company. Hmm, fascinating. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, prior to that, I've been working in um, cyber risk economics and cyber risk quantification for uh, about 15 years, uh, beginning um, with the uh, the work I did with FAIR and uh, you know, co-authoring the FAIR book with Jack Jones and implementing it both as a consultant uh, internal to organizations and, uh, you know, external to organizations. So I've been doing this for a long time, and this next phase is, uh, is going to be pretty interesting. Wonderful. Sounds good. So, uh, you know, if we take a, a look at the industry today, Jack, we have this gap here between cybersecurity and business value, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we oftentimes hear about this idea that uh, it's important to have cybersecurity, but there's a difficult conversation to translate this into tangible business value. Can you talk a little bit about that from your experience? Yeah, sure. I think this happens sometimes when disciplines... Uh, come up without necessarily the benefit of other mature disciplines. And, and let me say a little bit about that. You know, there are uh, established techniques for connecting many aspects of various types of risk to business value, credit risk, market risk, operational risk. Uh, in cybersecurity, we invented and created a discipline that didn't exist 20 years ago. I always say, as you know, other people my age can say the same thing. This, this wasn't uh, a course of study you could take in school. You kind of had to learn it on your own and build up into it. Um, so a lot of the good practices and principles that were available from uh, reference disciplines were not inculcated into you know, the IT and cyber risk management practices that existed. Uh, so one of the things I think is really important, and, and this you know snaps into focus when you see things like the Colonial Pipeline, for example. Like it's really clear uh, that we understand this connection between cybersecurity and business, but sometimes it's it's difficult to have that conversation. And, and I have always said, and I, I think this is true today as it was years ago, but th there's this uh, th there's a sort of discipline that sits astride both the technology piece and um, the business piece. And I think that's where IT or cyber risk management sits today is these are groups of people who have to understand, uh, you know, not just uh, aspects of the MITRE attack framework, for example, but, but also how, a, how an organization makes money and what the operations are. And, and there is a, a discipline around that and a sort of natural curiosity, which is how, how do we make money? What are, what are the key dates and times and products and customers? And then knitting together uh, uh, risk products that connect that business piece to, that, uh, to those technology pieces. There, there are executives that, uh, business executives that don't understand, don't have clear visibility into the types of technology that deliver the products and services that they know very well. And 
I think this is really the job of IT professionals to say, okay, here are the things that support this product. Here are the apps, the servers and databases and applications that we care the most about. And, and, and this is why it's important. And without that kind of connection, um, I think it's, uh, it, it's, it, it's, a, it's a disservice to those people making business decisions. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So now we get into this idea of modeling the risk in a way that makes sense. Uh, can you talk a little bit then, Jack, about these risk modeling approaches and some of the challenges when it comes to cybersecurity? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Risk modeling is interesting. Um, there are uh, there are different ways to do it, and the, the the philosophy that I take when I'm doing it is build what's called a parsimonious model. You want it to have um, high predictive value with a, a limited set of variables. If you go too far and you collect too many variables, it's it's over parameterized and, and you can't you know make any decisions because there's too many too much data points coming in. So you have to find things that are key indicators that allow you to say, you know, this is the two or three or four things that are really meaningful in the concept in, in the uh, in, in the context of the overall thing that you're modeling. So uh, w- one of the troubles that usually people come to when they start to approach something like cyber risk quantification is uh, they, uh, they're, they're looking for perfect sets of data to, to, uh, to make decisions from. And that doesn't usually exist very often. So uh, instead, what you have to do is uh, find uh, key pieces of data that allow you to extrapolate into a larger data set. And, and this is why uh, doing quantification with things like ranges is really important because within a range is typically the right answer. So you have to sort of find the right data sets to do that. Now, one of the things that um, uh, has been a bit of a struggle is to find those data sets in the past. And there are a lot of techniques uh, that I've, uh, I've talked about and I've advocated for that involve things like doing uh, subject matter expert elicitation, and those are valuable. Um, but you know, one of the things I think that's also valuable is the organizations uh, that are able to uh, bring data to the table and tell you those kind of things. And, and that's an important aspect of this too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So if you project out and, and, and look at this cybersecurity risk modeling and trying to provide business value as we go through this, where are we headed in, say, the next 18 months, 24 months? What do you think? Yeah, I think there's going to be a, 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 a shift in um, acceptance of cyber risk quantification. I'm just thinking about some things I've worked on recently. Uh, you know, I published a white paper for ISACA about CRQ methodology. Uh, organizations that maybe in the past have been a little bit wishy-washy about it. I wouldn't characterize ISACA that way, but organizations that maybe had not, you know, in- endorsed it fully, I think are starting to do just that, which I think is an important milestone. Uh, you know, but at the same time, uh, I wrote, um, I have a regular column for uh, an ISACA publication. And, uh, you know, what, what I wrote there this month was um, something called the CRQ Purity Test. And effectively, I can summarize it this way. There are, there, there is value in different types of security assessments. There's value in maturity assessments. Uh, there's value in benchmarking. There's value in control evaluations. And um, there's also value in cyber quantification. Uh, these things can work together in harmony. And I think uh, sometimes, and for a while, perhaps myself included, uh, those people that were advocating for CRQ type approaches to risk modeling uh, may have gone a little bit too far in saying these other things are not uh, useful, don't provide value. Um, but I think 
in working to build this global uh, fiber rating that my company is working on, I've had to think about things a little differently. And uh, that's where I'm like, okay, these other things do have value and they are able to be combined together in ways that I think is unique and valuable. So uh, I think that's what the future holds is there's going to be more centralized um, third party evaluations of these kinds of things. And I think that the data sets to do this is going to become much more readily available for people over time. Mm -hmm. Interesting. That's great. Well, Jack, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Altez. Want to learn about what Security Compass has to offer? Check out securitycompass.com slash demo for a free demo today. Want more of the Balancing Act? Be sure to subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to podcasts for more episodes.